Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. Sad week, guys. Yeah. Sad week, losing another science fiction and horror legend. That is the topic for this week, is remembering the great Christopher Lee. Um, before we get that, let's introduce everybody. Uh, Allison Jorlin from Milwaukee Ghosts is with us. Hello, everybody. Welcome back, Allison. Thanks, Wendy. And uh, you know me, Mike, from Sunspot, and you know Wendy, Wendy from Sunspot. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and we'd like to thank everybody who's been listening to the See You on the Other Side podcast lately. We've been getting a lot of good feedback, and uh, everybody we've met on Twitter, at um, Sunspot Mike, that's me, at Other Side Talk, that's the podcast. Thank you for uh, saying hi and all the cool new friends we've made online over the past couple of weeks. We yes. really appreciate that. And- and at Sunspot Wendy for, is where I've been meeting people. Allison, so. do you have a Twitter too? Are you a, are you a, a tweet head? Yeah, at, at Milwaukee Ghosts. Okay, and that's All where right. you can find us on the twits. Yes. Oh, hey, we had a new five-star review this week, didn't we? Yay! <laughs> yes, we did. Thank you, John D. from New Jersey. That was a really cool little surprise. I, you know, I go in and check every so often to see if there's any new reviews. And lo and behold, there was one. That's very exciting. So, so thank what, you for doing that. What did this one say when? Oh, do you want me to read the whole thing? Yeah. Oh, okay. I think our listeners deserve to know that they're listening it's really to a nice. five-star okay. podcast. <laughs> That's erudite. So. Don't forget that. I love that word. If I pronounce it correctly, I like it too. Okay. Um, so John D. writes, I have been completely impressed by the, this podcast. Topics that are usually covered in a sensationalist manner are given an erudite and entertaining treatment. I really must emphasize the fun factor in these shows. Mike and Wendy have a tremendous rapport and the podcasts fly by. I always manage to learn something from each show, even when I thought I was well-versed in the subject. Ending each show with a song is just the cherry on top of a mm, tasty podcast cupcake. Yeah. So thank you, John. The cupcake imagery really was what made me the happiest. It's I making like me hungry. <laughs> Who doesn't love cupcakes? I really visualize and that. I want a, a cupcake tasty, now. Me too. A tasty podcast cupcake too. I mean, that's that's just that's I do. So, but no, thank you, John, and we appreciate that. And if you guys want your and you want a special shout out to your five star review, you can leave that uh, at iTunes at the See You on Their Side podcast site on iTunes, and we will say your name and shout you out and all those kind of good things. And if you don't have iTunes, it's okay. We're on Stitcher Radio. Um, there's a link from OtherSidePodcast.com to that. And you can also leave reviews there. So that would be wonderful. Or uh, just, you know, tweet at us or send us a message. But we love to hear from you. So thank you. We certainly do. So it's been a good, so it's been over a week since the Milwaukee Paranormal Conference, since we were yeah, all and together. I, and I still can't get the, the Bigfoot polka out of my head. <laughs> right. No, the Bigfoot polka was super fun. Like we thought, like, come on, you're like Milwaukee's got to have, you know, you've got to have a polka song to go with the city because that is... Got to hand it to you. That is the... Mike, you did did right by the the Paracon uh, event. Good. I feel like you unearthed a classic that that we didn't know about. I mean, it's... (laughs) 
I, I, I feel, feel like, like it sounded just like a might, they might be giant song. Like in the end, it's, like, <laughs> ah, it's pretty much just a they might be giant song. <laughs> there should have always been a big and that's not a bad thing. Yes, no, it is not a bad thing at all, not whatsoever. So, and I agree, Allison. There should always have been one. Yeah, maybe and it was I, hiding in the woods or something. Yeah, I think we we maybe need a video in the future. You know, oh. the big like like if, hire the bigfoot well, like from wait. the conference. <laughs> I I think she would be great. But then we have to find Bigfoot again, Allison. That's 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 probably an impossibility, but we can dream. <laughs> we can dream. I say dream big. Yes. Okay, I, I, I like how you think. I agree. Um what was the what was the organization that brought Bigfoot? Wasn't it Milwaukee oh, Ghost Chasers, Bruce City Ghosts or something like that? Oh, um, you know Bruce what? City Paranormal. Yeah, Bruce City Paranormal. Bruce uh, City Paranormal. I didn't. I didn't know they they brought them. I uh, believe but they're the ones that brought Bigfoot to the thing. And we'll link. We did we did we link to the Bigfoot pictures in the show notes? I don't think the, so. This time. I, oh, how I, did I forget that? I think we should do that. There definitely. was a lot of pictures from. The, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Topic. And um, that's true. well, I you know I, I I know the people from Bruce City Paranormal, so can can definitely uh. Pull we some get, strings. Pull some strings ah, if you need them. I see where to you're find going. Bigfoot to find again. Bigfoot again and get him, if we need get, to. Get her, get her for our video. <laughs> That's right. Um, you know, I, I said that this was a sad week because it, it was a sad week for everybody that loves sci-fi and horror. But it, it really, I mean, let's go. Uh, Christopher Lee was n- like 93 years old. Yeah. It's, a good run. it's not like he went out early like oh nobody would say that you know Chris <laughs> well no it's not tragic excellent, but he it was too soon well well that's true but, but just imagine like when betty white goes i i think oh my god i think you know he's like the male betty white that's a good point yeah <laughs> yeah because he's one of those people who just keeps inspiring you because he keeps going and going and like you know i'm not that i'm i'm old but not that old but but I'm still enough. doing stuff. But, I'm still doing yeah. cool stuff. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, they can be in their 90s and still be at the peak, seem to be still at the peak of their power, um, you know, just producing such creative stuff, I mean, is amazing and inspiring. When, I you know, agree. It's, sometimes it can be hard to get out of bed <laughs> when you're just in your 40s. And just to see what they're able to do, it's like, come on, get up. Look what Christopher Lee is doing today. Well, you know, I think it's going to be its own episode when we delve into the rumors that Betty White bathes in the blood of young comedians. And that's how she stays so young. I mean, Hollywood is a meat grinder. Um, Betty White knows. Wow. Um, I like that. That's a good good rumor. Yeah, but you know that's exactly... I mean, com- and she's she does some Elizabeth Bathory tennis type of That's stuff. That's right, the Countess. The Count Countess Betty White. Um, no, I love <laughs> Betty White. I mean, obviously, uh, Mary Tyler Moore. Uh, I just had my picture taken in front of the Mary Tyler Moore statue here in Minneapolis. There's the statue of Mary Tyler Moore downtown. Yeah, I, I know that. I've when I was that. there, when I was there, I we stopped and ha- and took a it's selfie cute. with her. It's yeah, just, it's their their version of the yeah. It's Minneapolis's bronze fawns. <laughs> Yes. yes, absolutely. It's their it's their seventies kitsch. Yep. Um, so anyway, we, we keep on not talking about the man of the hour. The <laughs> man like we're the... avoiding the sad. We're, we're just oh, we're like, oh, this is happy and fun. Oh, no, Christopher Lee. No, you're right though. It, it it's we're celebrating the the incredible um, 
amount of things that he did in his in his days. You know, he didn't waste any any time. And you were saying that he had more more I think film credits yes, than no, any other actor. And it's like, well, you know, if you have that large of a time span to do it and you make good use of it. I mean, Christopher Lee's number one. He sets the Guinness Book of World Records for the tallest leading man of any film. Really? So, yeah. Six How tall foot, is he? Six foot five. Oh, was he? Yeah. Was That's he? not that tall. I guess yeah, for a leading but, man. Yeah, for a leading man. Nobody wants the Bigfoot to be the leading man in their film. <laughs> Feet too big to dance. You know, what's he going to do? Like, if they come in, they're like, ah, oh, get, get a different lens. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I guess, I mean, maybe Shaq. I guess Shaq was the leading man in the film. If he, if, but we're not talking about, about Shaq today. We're talking <laughs> about Christopher Lee. We're, we keep avoiding. Okay, the thing is that you know, Christopher Lee, like, so he does have the Guinness Book of World Records for the most film credits, and that's well over 200-something films. And just looking at his IMDb, like I've got his IMDb up, and, I mean, Christopher Lee is working constantly in every kind of film. You know, he's in Shakespeare stuff. He's in TV stuff. He, okay. <laughs> Obviously, Christopher is with us today. Did yeah, somebody... what is that? What just happened? No, for real, that wasn't you guys? No. Uh-uh. Didn't somebody just hit like a... No. <laughs> like I... a mouth harp? <laughs> I thought it was one of your doors. Like, like I thought it was a door stopper and some. Like, a, did one of your no. animals step on a door stopper? No, I don't no. have an animal that I know of. I know. I thought maybe you stepped on the door stopper. So, either <laughs> that, way, that was weird. But yes. it was uh, what happened. The audio just changed. I didn't hear the dong dong dong, but I like the sound of your voice changed. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, you you didn't hear the other weird sound? It was like... <laughs> it was really mar- marked, markedly strange. But, you know, here's here's the, the uh, silver lining. Okay, well, Christopher Lee is gone, but he could haunt us. I mean, think of the possibilities. That's true. That w- Coolest yeah. ghost ever. Yeah, like I want... <laughs> really, like I want a six foot five baritone in my bedroom in the middle of the night, like... Uh, Don't like- you, Mike... It's your secret wish. I already, I already a, have just one. Just admit it. <laughs> no, but okay. So, she, I mean, he played Sherlock Holmes. He played. Um, I mean, he, he did play Rasputin in a film. And we'll talk a little bit more about Rasputin in a second. But, I mean, Christopher Lee is probably best remembered for being Dracula in the Hammer horror films of the late 1950s and 1960s. Dracula. Yes. Now, I mean, he's like a... And his Dracula was like suave, but did a lot of hissing. Like, you know, and um, it, it, I mean, Hammer, if if you guys don't know what Hammer horror films are, Hammer horror, that was like a a certain studio in England that would put out these B-movie horror films all through the 1950s and 60s. Um, They also put out the Quatermass films, which were very influential on Doctor Who. And oh, Qua- yeah. Quatermass will get its, and that's five million years to Earth, Quatermass in the pit. Um, that will get its own. Th- did you hear that again? Yeah. I didn't hear it, but again, your voice changed. Okay. Okay. Something's I up. got tinny. Something's up here because it, it still sounds okay in my monitors. Um, <laughs> it was like a. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's the ghost. It was the ghost of Christopher Lee. Like, I this love is how it. he's talking to us. He's like, stay on topic. <laughs> okay. 
So <laughs> that's not helping us stay on topic, though. That's so what's Hammer taking, horror off, films, taking us these, off topic. These low-budget British horror films, and they're great. And it's it's Christopher Lee, uh, usually as the villain. He played the Mummy. He played Frankenstein. He played Dracula, along with Peter Cushing. And Peter Cushing is another one of these great classically trained British actors who um, had to eat. So he played Van Helsing and Dr. Frankenstein and, you know, whatever else he was going to do in all of these hammer horror classics. So, I mean, Christopher Lee is basically in every great franchise of the past half century. And let's, wow. not, let's not forget that Peter Cushing became his best friend. I mean, they were, they were major BFFs throughout their lives. So. Yes. That's nice. So Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing not only worked together um, in, you know, a dozen films, they also hung out. And you can just imagine how classy, you know, they're, these guys were classy guys. Like Christopher Lee was descended from like European aristocracy. So can you imagine that, you know, they're, they're uh, drinking brandy out of snifters and things like that. You know, real classy. Yet they're making movies that are completely meant to titillate. You know, these hammer horror films are just like, uh, there's salacious nudity. There's gore as much as 1960s special effects budgets would allow at a low thing. You know, and these are classy guys who are completely slumming in these hammer horror films that became classics. That's kind of cool. So, I mean, so that's that's really where he became a, not necessarily a household name, because Dracula was the household name, but everybody recognized him as the Dracula of the 1950s and 60s. So... Um, that's just, I mean, so he's the Dracula series and then he's in Star Wars too. Uh, he's in the prequels playing a character named, uh, unfortunately named Count Dooku. <laughs> and what? Uh, that's not cool. Yeah, no, no, Dooku. <laughs> I mean, George Lucas continues to create childlike jokes in everything he possibly can. Oh, Count yeah. Dooku. Uh, you always just say people are going to die. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But, okay, Scott so is the bad guy. He's the guy that took over for Darth Maul in uh, the second and third Star Wars movies. Uh, he played Darth Tyrannus. And um, if you watch the beginning of Revenge of the Sith, if you go back and watch Revenge of the Sith episode three, Anakin has like a big duel with Count Dooku in the beginning, and it's Christopher. I mean, Christopher Lee's like eighty something at this point. And so they obviously have to map his face onto a stunt double because the stunt, like he's like doing backflips and stuff like, like Christopher Lee can't do that. He's 80 something. And he could, he probably couldn't do backflips when he was in his prime. I'm not saying he wasn't a tough guy. I'm saying he didn't do backflips. But, but he was a fencer. Yes. No, absolutely. And he did a lot of his own sword fights in movies. Yeah. And that's amazing. And I got to just share like today researching for the podcast I watched um, on YouTube. There's a, an episode of This Is Your Life with um, with Christopher Lee. And it's so great because, um, of course, Peter Cushing is there and Vincent Price. And but to start it out. Um, before they surprise him, he's actually doing a workout that he did at the time. I think it was the seventies, um, with with a you know a fencing partner, and you know they're like totally going at it. Um, and That's then, cool. And then yeah. the host, the host of um, the host of This Is Your Life, just comes out 
uh, he's like, I gotta time this right so I don't get stabbed. <laughs> he like opens the door and he's like, Christopher I... Lee, this is your life. And it was so awesome, like how the sword play, and you know that that was real. Like he was really doing wow. it. Well, I mean, and remember, he's doing this workout in the 1970s. He's already in his 50s when that's going on. Yeah. So Christopher, I mean, by the time we get to the 1970s and he's already been Dracula and he's already been in The Man with the Golden Gun and all that stuff. I mean, he's already in his 50s. So this guy's no slouch. Uh, he, so he's in Star Wars. Um, he's also in another of the huge trilogies, The Lord of the Rings. Oh, yes. He's Saruman. Um in the Lord of the Rings, and he always was a huge Lord of the Rings fan. Wouldn't yeah. that be awesome? He says he he's he's been quoted as saying he he would read the books every year. Wow, that's yeah. a big time investment every right. year. Yeah, and just to be able to make it through the Tom Bombadil parts again every <laughs> single year, I think deserves some kind of thing. So okay, so he read The Hobbit after leaving the Air Force in 1945. He read them once a year, and he's the only person involved in the film trilogy of The Lord of the Rings that met Tolkien in person. And here's the story. We were sitting there talking and drinking beer, and someone said, oh, look who walked in. It was Professor Tolkien, (laughs) and I nearly fell off my chair. I didn't even know how he was alive. He was a benign-looking man smoking a pipe, walking in, an English countryman with earth under his feet. And he was a genius, a man of incredible intellectual knowledge. He knew somebody in our group. He, the man in the group, said, oh, professor, professor, and he came over. (laughs) And each one of us, well, I knelt, of course, each one of us said, how did you do? And I just said, ha, 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 and he couldn't even speak. (laughs) He could could not speak. It's cool to imagine that. Oh, my gosh. He he seemed never to be um, without words, the perfect you right, know, the perfect poised gentleman. Right, like that, like a huge stud, you know. Yeah. So and that's the story of the meeting. That's it. He just went. Uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty, the, the pretty much. Told he always, away and he always wanted to play Gandalf. And uh, when he read that Peter Jackson was casting and was working on the Lord of the Rings, um, he called his agent immediately and tried to get to be Gandalf, but he was already way too. I mean, he was. Yeah. Late, late 70s. I mean, and Gandalf was a physically demanding thing. And um, plus, he's a, a good guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Sir Ian McKellen <laughs> got the part, and it just, you know, it, and it turned out pretty good. And then, you know, Christopher Lee was the oldest actor on the set. Yeah. Uh, for The Lord of the Rings. So and, you get Saruman. Yeah. So he still got to be Saruman. And I mean, he in the, in the uh, Hobbit, do you guys see all the Hobbit movies? Oh, yeah. Not yet. Uh, okay. I mean, they're pretty good. I think they're pretty good. Like, a lot of people said they were too long or whatever, but I'm like, you're giving me three hours of Middle Earth. I'm okay with it. Yeah. And Martin, <laughs> and, and I love Martin Freeman. So Martin Freeman is the hot, like, you've got, I, the whole time, oh, yeah. I, I think it's great. I yeah. loved it all, and I thought there could have even been more singing. Sure. I was okay with that. Uh, <laughs> I'm okay with that, and I'm okay with the action and the fun. Like, I'm, you know, give me as much as you want. I, I was a fan of the Lord of the Rings extended editions. Yeah, I, I watched that. So anyway. But the thing is, like he, like they wanted him to be Saruman in the, um, the Hobbit movies. But late '80s, early '90s, he was like he couldn't, he didn't want to leave London because he thought, you know, an eighteen-hour flight to New Zealand might be a bad idea for somebody his age. Um, so they still brought him in. He did the acting in England, 
and they face mapped him onto somebody else. Oh, that's wow. crazy. So it's so like, cool. They can do that nowadays. Yeah. And that, and he just think about, it, he was so in demand. So this guy was so in demand that in star Wars, you know, they're like, well, we, this guy needs to do backflips and stuff. Well, Christopher Lee's 80. Hmm. Well, let's just, we'll get him to do the talking and we'll get somebody else to do the backflips. And then they're like, yeah, we want to have Sarah Man in these movies. So you know what? We're just going to have, I mean, he was so in demand that they just wanted his face and his voice, that they were willing to spend millions of dollars to map his face on somebody else. And I think that's exceptional. Yeah. Like be, we'll say. Well, he had a, just an amazing voice. I well, mean, his voice. Yeah. Such, such gravitas. I mean, really, to, to be able to, you know, be so iconic like that and to have such power in your voice i wonder how you do it yeah, really. well no the thing was you know, like if you ever listen to you know any of his movies or anything like that if you have the subwoofer on a, a, a particular level it makes you have to go to the bathroom <laughs> <laughs> it does. it's it's weird like whoa like, oh, okay. what, what happened i shouldn't have had indian for he, lunch he has powers he has a, the power of your body mike <laughs> he does <laughs> i own your bowels you um <laughs> No, but I mean, Christopher Lee, obviously talented and people wanted him so bad. Okay. And that, okay. So that's, that's the Lord of the Rings. And he's the only so, guy that met uh, a Tolkien on the Lord of the Rings cast, the Hammer films with Peter Cushing. Um, okay. Yeah. Ha- hang on, Mike. Hang on, Mike. Let's, yeah. uh, let's, let's transition a little bit here because um, did you hear that? Did you read that part where it talks about um, the, just so many, so many articles online talk about this, but it, it was pretty amazing. It was about when there was a scene that was cut. So I wonder if it's in the extended editions, but, um, and I'm not sure exactly which film it was, but, um, but uh, Saruman is stabbed in the back by, um, by Wormtongue. Yeah. Is that his no, name? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, like, I'm a worm tongue. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So, I I, I forget which which it's, movie that was exactly because it was caught. It's and the it, Return of the King. And and did and you watch the extended? Yes, did I did. You, you, so did you see the stabbing? He's completely eliminated from the uh, theatrical version of Return of the King because the Return of the King, as it went, was already like nine hours long. Oh, so it's not even on the extended. It's only in the extended edition. Oh, did you see and that so, part then? Yeah. So, okay. I mean, Christopher Lee was pretty upset about it yeah. because he was completely left out of the film. So when you get to the end of the two towers, that's the last you see of Saruman. Um, and they don't kind of go into the scouring of the Shire, which is uh, the very end of the Lord of the Rings. And, and it, it goes into, uh, they do that in the extended edition. And they kind of leave it out because it's a little bit of a downer of an ending. Yeah. Um, but, and, and there's already like six endings in the uh, Return of the King. It's like, oh, goodbye, Frodo, to the land of the undying, you girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, but the stabbing, I mean, that that's like an important part, you would think, you know, when Saruman meets his end. Right, so and, his story doesn't get finished and, and, unless you watch the extended edition. So, okay, the, the, the backstory on that is really interesting. It's, um, all right, so, so they're filming it. And Peter Jackson, the director, you know, says to Christopher Lee, okay, I want you to make this, like, dying sound, you know, when you're being stabbed. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and Christopher Lee is like, um, well, no, that's not accurate because, because I've actually heard what it sounds like when someone's stabbed in the back. Whoa. And you just hear, 
on the exhalation, you just hear like air coming out of the lungs. So that's oh. that's all you would hear. And um, so I just thought that was amazing, and that kind of ties us into. And so, um, who did he the, hear get well, stabbed? No, what I like yeah, about the, actual, the hidden the, history of of Christopher Lee, his 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 war record. So we got to talk about that. His actual oh, quote, right. though, is something like, "He's like, well, he's you know, like, well, do you know what it sounds like when someone gets stabbed in the back? Because I do." And the, <laughs> and the fact that he's just telling the director that on set, you're like, oh, man, this 80-some-year-old guy is just like, well, going into it, um, that is a great story. And, and just, to, you know, just to finish up Christopher Lee's legacy, I mean, not only – I mean, he's on Young Indiana Jones, the TV show. He is uh, Francisco Scaramanga in The Man with the Golden Gun, so he's a main character in the James Bond franchise. He's in Tim Burton movies. He plays Willy Wonka's dad, the evil dentist in the Willy Wonka remake. Wendy, we saw that. Remember we watched that with Willy Wonka's dad? Oh, yeah. Um, that was the part we just turned to, too, and we saw it. <laughs> and, uh, and he's also, I believe he's got a, a small part in Sleepy Hollow, and he's got a small part in um, uh, Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. So the thing is, like, he's got a relationship with Tim Burton, too. So you just go down, like... If you think of the movies that have made so much money over the past 20 years, this senior citizen has been a major part of them. Like, you know, it, it's and, a huge part yeah, of them. Yeah, he like knew knew everybody. I mean, I was looking today and he, you know, for local connections too. And, and he knew Robert Block, who wrote the, the Psycho movies. He, he starred in, in some... Wow. Um, so not in not in Psycho, but some other productions by um, Robert Black. And Robert and Black lived in Robert Black lived in Milwaukee for a long time. That's right. right. Yes, he's from Milwaukee. So um, that's a cool connection. He, he just mm-hmm. like knew everybody. You know, it, it's it's like hard to do this podcast because it's hard to like get get your mind around like everything this guy did. Or to select only a, a subset to talk about. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is... too many cool things. Yeah. <laughs> over a course of 93 years, I mean, you do a lot of things, and not everybody gets to do as many cool occult things as Christopher Lee did. That's why, you know, most be like, well, he also had a family, blah, 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 blah. You know, he's also related to Charlemagne. What? Um, so, like we said before, he was born of old European aristocracy. That, cult, you know, and... At the end of the 19th century, everybody, like all these families are interbreeding and it's Hungarians and English and, you know, the the people who are kings and queens of England now, I mean, it's not even, I mean, that dynasty isn't like Henry VIII or anything like that. I mean, they're more of a Germanic group, uh, the Windsor House right now. In fact, they changed their name to Windsor um, because their other name was way too German. But we can talk about that when we talk about the Anunnaki again and the fact that Prince Charles (laughs) is a lizard. Um, but the thing, so, but, um, so Holy Roman Emperor, the first Holy Roman Emperor, Charlemagne, you know, or Charles the Great, um, well, Christopher Lee could, you know, trace his ancestry back to him. And so he kind of, he grew up a gentleman kind of thing. I mean, Christopher Lee, he saw France's last beheading by guillotine and that happened in the, in the last century. Which shocked me when I when I read that. <laughs> I guess I didn't pay attention in history class, but that doesn't seem that long ago for people to be <laughs> getting beheaded. I mean, right? No, of course not. How horrible! I mean, so he saw France's last beheading by guillotine. Um, he also fought in the Second World War, and, and you know that's one thing we talk about. Um, 
these actors and stuff. You know, guys like, you know, Christopher Lee or, um, you know, a lot of our actors who from the 1940s, these guys all served in the Second World War. They were all war heroes. You know, when you think about our actors today, um, as much as I, th- I think Matt Damon's great, uh, he's not Jason Bourne in real life. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and um, all our actors today are, are, you know, are just kind of pampered and rich. And, you know, we, we joke about Christopher Lee who would, you know, he would act for food. You know, in every, I mean, he's in every McGremlins too. Like, it just, he's in this Robin Hood TV series from the late 1990s that was absolute pants. Like, Christopher Lee's like, paycheck, I'll be there. <laughs> and, you know, you could make fun of his stylistic choices. But, um, I mean, Christopher Lee, I mean, he volunteered to fight for the Finnish forces in World War II, like, before even Britain was even in the war. That's hardcore. Wow. You know, he's 17 years old and he's ready to go. And he, you know, he joins this group and, you know, he had, uh, um, he had a, a, a vision thing that didn't let him, you know, be an, a pilot like he originally wanted to be. Oh, that's right. Trouble with his optic nerve, right? Yeah. Ah. You know, and so he couldn't, he couldn't be a pilot, but that didn't stop him from trying to join the Royal Air Force Intelligence Group. Right. And that's what he did. And Christopher Lee fought the Nazis in Africa. Yeah. And wow. what, what I love, what I love is, you know, that he, he became, yeah, I hear it too. We'll just keep on talking on. We hear you, Christopher. We love you, Christopher. <laughs> All right. So, this is for you, mate. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, the, the thing that was just unbelievable about, about him was that he, you know, he, he was in the special forces. And and that, you know, the special forces had this nickname. Um, Mike, what was the nickname again? Uh, the um, Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare. Nice. Yeah. I mean, that that's a movie that, that just writes itself. Brutal. <laughs> it, and it, and it was brutal. And um, I saw uh, an interview that um, he did years ago, and he talked about, you know, how he saw so much horror at an early age. I mean, well we already we already know he saw someone get beheaded, he saw someone get stabbed. Yeah. I and mean, that's, that, that's more than most of us. Yeah, that's more gore than most of us, right? Get shivved or anything like that. And, and then he had to like put a put a a shell, he had to develop a shell uh, to to be able to withstand being able to to experience all of that. And uh you know, he, he's quoted as, as saying something like, you know, I'm, I'm softer than you think. Um, so it, it was interesting. the acting comes in, right? <laughs> yeah, it was interesting to think, um, you know, of him. You know, he was a real person and he had to experience, you know, seeing people blown up and, and stuff oh, like that and, and, and move on. And it reminds me of, you know, other people that were spurred on by uh, wartime to great creativity like um rod sterling rod sterling his his friend is a a friend of his in the service was killed right in front of him and and that that in part inspired the the twilight zone so you know it's just it's it's tremendously hard to think of like these wartime experiences and to even imagine what they were like but you know yeah there were people that had this human spirit that would would allow it to be a creative springboard 
Right. And he, he's, he's not just like an actor that went to acting school and then went out to Hollywood and like, no. you know, he's, he did his time and he experienced things that most uh, career actors wouldn't have happen. So, well, absolutely. And, and the thing is, you know, when you think about something like World War II, <clears throat> where something like the, a quarter or over a quarter, maybe a third of the United States male population like had served in some capacity in the military in something like that. And in England, I was even, I mean, England was getting bombed on a daily basis. I mean, the Battle of Britain, the Blitz. That's right. Blitz Creek. Um, so these kind of things are, are, are going on. And I mean, so life becomes for you life before the war and life after the war in yeah. a way that um, in a world of a volunteer military, we, we don't experience you know, I mean, I mean, they might experience something similar in Israel or something like that, where you have compulsory service. Um, but these guys, these actors from this, I mean, the, the quote unquote greatest generation, um, it does mean something because these guys put their lives on the line on a time. And Christopher Lee knew what it's like to watch, watch a brother get stabbed in the back. Um, <clears throat> and I'm sure that informed some of his acting um, and... You know, so Christopher Lee, we're, we're going in. I mean, James Bond, Indiana Jones. Um, he played Fu Manchu in a in a vaguely. I mean, today we considered it the most racist thing possible. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm a sure British we guy playing Fu yeah. Manchu yeah. Uh, in a couple of Hammer movies in the 1960s. Um, he's also plays Rasputin in a movie in 1966. He plays the Mad Monk. Rasputin, and he said that he met Rasputin's killers when he was a teenager. Yeah, I mean, and and the thing is, if you if you know anything about the the story of Rasputin, it, it's just like crazy, like how hard he was to to kill. I mean, he was like, wasn't he like choked and stabbed and shot and drowned, mm. and then they 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 hit him repeatedly with a pool noodle. I don't know, like oh <laughs> they tried everything. To and kill those, this those guy. Russian, those Russian pool noodles are deadly. <laughs> That's right. They're, <laughs> they're made, so, they're made of concrete, vodka. actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, just to just to think about, like, just when you read about Rasputin, it's just like miraculous how how he was able to stay alive or at least that's the story no and, and there's a whole bunch of stories about rasputin how they you know, like they shot him and he came back and you know all these things and until i mean it just took a lot to kill him and um there's a great uh in i think the 1916 uh podcast for um hardcore history they take like 15 or 20 minutes on rasputin to talk about his influence on the queen and the family. And the reason that the reason that Rasputin was such a big deal in Russia was because the czar and the czarina had a very sick child. Right. And they loved their child so much. And for some reason, Rasputin was the only guy who could make this kid healthy. You know, whenever they were like, oh my God, this guy's crazy. Because Rasputin was known for, you know, getting wasted all the time, having sex with everybody. Like Rasputin was the mad monk. <laughs> And they were like, we got to get rid of him. And then all of a sudden, the kid would have a fit. Yeah. I mean, and, imagine the bad uh, PR. It was right, terrible. Right. Because people, yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean, they had to go kill him. Imagine yeah. if you're like, well, I don't really like this advisor of President Obama, you know, or the way people thought about Dick Cheney, that he ran George Bush, you know. And so imagine if somebody's like, you know what? We're just going to kill him. 
we're just right, gonna we're, 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 gonna, <laughs> we're really we're giving Rasputin gonna, a lot of airtime here. We're gonna try to <laughs> we're gonna try to drown him, and then you know I'm just saying Rasputin's a big deal. Yeah, um, no, no, he's a tough guy. There's no no doubt about it. <laughs> and so the Rasputin movie, is, uh, I've seen it. It's it's not great, but uh, Christopher Lee does give him an evil gravitas. Okay, Rasputin the Mad Monk, <laughs> and it's 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 enjoyable if you're in the mood for some cheese. Aha, uh-huh. okay, that sounds fun. A lot of those hammer I always like cheese. Yeah, if you like cheese, then you'll enjoy those movies. And and you know, if you like cheese, then you'll probably like The Wicker Man. Mm. And, and, and uh, Pagan Wicker, cheese. The Wicker Man is, is probably the <laughs> idea that I, I first thought we should probably talk about Christopher Lee. Because um, it's it's probably the most famous British horror film of all time. And, I mean, for those that haven't seen it, it's 1973, so I'm going to give you some 42-year-old spoilers here. Oh, spoilers! Uh, yes. And uh, The Wicker Man is about a Christian um, policeman that goes to visit a Scottish island and finds out that they're all engaged in pagan activities. And he sees a, a missing girl, or he finds a case of a missing girl, and thinks that he has to... Um, save her and doesn't realize that he's being led into a sacrifice. Whoa. The so the, uh, it's the whole, a trap. It's, it, it's a trap. The whole idea. But everyone lives happily ever after. Except I'm sure. for the guy being sad. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't tell. We won't talk about the okay. end. Remember? So, Spoilers. So the thing is like, I wanted to, I wanted to see it. And when, when dad and I would go pick out movies for a Friday or whatever, and we saw this one with this guy from The Equalizer. And we both liked The Equalizer in the 80s. It was a TV show we both watched. And I'm like, oh, Dad, The Equalizer's in this one. It looks cool. And so we pick it up and we start watching it. And like my mother is like walking back in and out. And it's completely sexual and all these pagan sex scenes and stuff. And my mom's like, oh, my God, what are you watching? <laughs> and... um. Christopher Lee plays the Lord of the Island, Lord Summer Isle. And like he's the lead pagan and it's completely inappropriate if you're if you're, you know, it's a not safe for work kind of movie, let's say, even though it's a, <laughs> like a 1970s British movie. But uh, I mean, this this was when, when Christopher Lee was asked what was his favorite role. It was in that it was that movie. Really? Was, when yeah. mm-hmm. at what point in his life did they ask him cuz was it before, like Lord of the Rings, or? Um, it, oh, it yeah. was just. It was uh, no, recently? no. It's it's after Lord of the Rings. Oh wow! It, it yeah. was very recently. He cool. is really proud of the Wicker Man, and, okay. and that's because he really wanted to work with the screenwriter Anthony Schaefer and the director Robin Hardy, and it was one of his. I mean, the movie is one of his ideas, cool. and it's it's about paganism, in. Uh, in Britain. And the thing is, so the Wicker Man, think of a big a statue of a person uh, made of um, sticks or wood, you know. Um, think Burning like the, Man. Like the, yeah, like the think, Blair Witch. Like the Blair, like, like a, figures. Yes, like a huge Blair Witch. And so the idea was that you would put somebody inside this man made of wicker and burn them. And that would be the sacrifice to the gods. Yeesh, that's nasty. And so um, they first talk about a wicker man uh, in one of Julius Caesar's commentaries on the Gallic War. And so this guy says that, the, you know, they built a, an effigy of a human and they put somebody inside and they burned it um, to make sure the crops would be good that year. 
And that's the idea of the movie The Wicker Man, is they fool somebody into being that sacrifice for the crops. And Nicolas Cage stars in the 2006 version of The Wicker Man, which takes the um, Christianity versus paganism of the original and turns it into uh, a battle of the sexes, like male versus female. That's what the director, Neil Labute, um, if you ever see any of Neil Labute's movies, they kind of, it's always about kind of men versus women. Hmm. And Interesting. That, that kind of, and so he, um, so it was pretty well done. You know, it's 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 ridiculous, and 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 you can see on the internet, you'll see Nicolas Cage talk about the bees. He's like, oh, what about the bees? Oh, the bees! And he's like getting stung to death and stuff, and he he's in this huge costume, and he's just punching women out in this costume. And it's yeah, like look up Nicolas Cage, The Wicker Man. You don't have to see the movie; just see the greatest hits. Literally, <laughs> like look up Nicolas Cage, I'm The so Wicker Man. So confused right now. Okay, hits, all right. And it's. It, it, and seen like that, it's a comedy. And yeah. I was all excited. You know, I've seen The Wicker Man several times since I originally saw it with my dad or actually had to fast forward through most of it with my dad. <laughs> and um, it, it's, it's a good film. It's got great atmosphere. And it really is this idea of um, here's Christianity encroaching on the, the, the natural pagan rights of the Celts and of the British Isles and everything. And so that, that's what they get to uh, in the movie, The Wicker Man. And it's probably the best portrayal. You know, I would say it's a, it's a positive portrayal of paganism because they don't portray the Christians that much better, you know, than the people doing the sacrifice. But you can see why Christopher Lee was proud of it because um, it's a movie that really captured the zeitgeist. Plus, um, the, you know, the late 1960s, early 1970s was a very transitional period when people get into experimental film. You could do things that were more, um, that, that could outside question. the box. Yeah. Outside the, <laughs> outside the cross, you know, you, know <laughs> you could question the status quo, the status quo more. And, and that's kind of what the wicker man does. Um, yeah. But, so, but it's, it's interesting. Like, um, I, I, I was watching some videos today where, uh, Christopher Lee, talked about it and and he he really credited the uh producer um peter snell for for making the movie because people really fought it and you know cut it and and tried to try to kind of reduce its release and and stuff like that and and um so it almost didn't get made um because it, it was i think it was controversial even for the time Oh, absolutely. It was controversial. It's also the first place I ever saw a maypole uh, was yes. in that movie. And they have the May Queen. And then if you think about, you know, like what's the most famous uh, uh, May Queen is they talk about that in uh, Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin. And that whole idea of the, uh, you know, the, the beginning of the summer festival and dancing around the pole and, and stuff like that and, and electing a queen. I mean, we still do that with harvest fests and things like that here in the United States, except... And the state um, fair. And the state fair, except we don't usually burn somebody at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, so The Wicker Man is kind of... It's, it's, it's a movie that respects paganism. Um, so all you Wiccans, if you haven't seen it, you should check it out. What? Um, you think it's really respectful of paganism? Absolutely. Like, it doesn't treat paganism like something evil or something exotic. Well, they, they burn a guy. Yeah, but that's but you're, you're doing the sacrifice in order to have a good harvest. And All right. Well, I, I, think, I think maybe some pagans out there might beg to differ. 
Okay, I guess. But, <laughs> but the thing is, but it's an exciting the, movie. Let's just say that the goddess must be appeased. That's right. Okay, so the, it really hit a cultural nerve. <laughs> She's yeah. a vengeful and angry goddess, Mike. <laughs> she is. She's an Old Testament goddess. Hell hath no fury. Right, like the goddess scorned. All right, so we should uh, talk about one last thing. So Christopher Lee, he all of it. I mean, he had so many movies, and also at the end of his life, he was a heavy metal star. Oh yeah. So he put out, I mean, he put out a couple of albums about the reign of Charlemagne. You know, he, so he put out records where he <laughs> would... awesome. I didn't know that. He would talk, I mean, he would sing like opera singer. And so he would do these like, oh, I'm okay. Charlemagne. Because he was an opera singer in his, in his oh younger years. Oh my gosh, years. what didn't he do? I know, right? He's another like renaissance man. now. My gosh. Another renaissance, renaissance man <laughs> yeah, like I'll Mike. Say. Yes. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like me. <laughs> uh, Mike Huberty, Christopher Lee. That's yeah. right. Same things. Yeah, Leonardo I da Vinci. I can tell you what it's like when you stab somebody in the back. Because <laughs> um, it's happened to me enough times. Okay. Oh. But the, but the thing is, so Christopher Lee. So he made these, like, this Italian symphonic metal band um, would write these songs, and then Christopher Lee would sing these epic lines over them about Charlemagne. Yeah, and he started all that in his late 80s. Yeah. He's like, and I think I'll do some heavy metal now. And he was even <laughs> given, he was at Metal Hammer magazine, he was given the Spirit of Metal Award. Yeah, more than he, once, I think. Yeah, and he and, and Tony Iommi from Black Sabbath is the guy that gave him, is, is the guy that awarded it to him. Oh my and gosh. He, I mean, he said it's like, it's at my age, it's so great to add a, a, an extra arrow to my quiver you know something uh. ridiculous you know something ridiculous and you know he talked about like he's had to leave you know he's like i should leave this on a bike with a bottle of jägermeister and you know it, like the like so That's he just great. was a ridiculous fun character and he made this heavy metal christmas album to christopher lee metal christmas make sure it's it's on spotify christopher lee metal christmas is, should be what you buy for your mother this Christmas. Or well, Metal Christmas too. I think there's two of them. <laughs> there's two. Don't forget Jingle Hell. He's always yeah. got to be the overachiever. Right, I forgot it. Jingle Hell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, so he's great. I mean, he really is just a lot of fun. A guy that, you know, a guy whose life really should be uh, celebrated because he did so much fun stuff and he gave us so many things to enjoy. Yes. Um, and... He and, also gave us. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I just want to share that that um, he he re-released in 2014 um, on his final album, Metal Night, a cover of Frank Sinatra's "My Way." So it's awesome. <laughs> I heard That's it worth today. Checking out, I'm sure. I heard I heard it today actually. My awesome? way. Yeah, done in the heavy heavy metal style. Just awesome. I'll be checking that out just yeah. out of yes, curiosity. Sure. It's I've no, I've heard it too, and it's it's better than um, uh, who did uh, my way? All blue eyes from Frank. No, he did it. No, he did it too. But who <laughs> you is remember the, that guy, Frank Sinatra? <laughs> yeah, you know. That I don't know guy. if you know. He's no, kind of a big not deal. Frank Sinatra, the punk guy that did my way. They made oh. a whole. There's a whole video of it too. Uh, Sid Vicious. Oh, Sid, okay. Sid Vicious does a version of my way too, and the Christopher Lee version is in tune, so it's much more enjoyable to listen to. Awesome. All right. Uh, there was less heroin involved in the making of that yeah. particular version. Uh, <laughs> even though there was probably more um, Metamucil involved. That, yeah, in more Metamucil. <laughs> 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 Overdose of Metamucil. Uh, 
<laughs> okay. Anyway, and so um, Christopher Lee did warn us, though. Didn't he do a final warning about the occult? That's right. As a man well, who is so, whose life and whose work is so associated well, with the, he, the cult. That's right. Well, he was rumored to have this massive occult library of 20,000 volumes. And I, you know, I can just picture it now. You know, this huge room with with uh, bookcases floor to ceiling and ladders everywhere i love bookcases with ladders that's like a thing for yes, me those are awesome. and i i can just picture myself there now um but alas he said it wasn't true uh, he only had about four or five books on the occult so and he, not- <laughs> and he said if he had that many books he'd have to live in the bath that's right <laughs> he had 20,000 books <laughs> i have um, met people who claim to be satanists who claimed to be involved with black magic, who claimed that they not only knew a lot about it, but as I said, I certainly haven't been involved, and I warn all of you, never, never, (laughs) never. (laughs) Never! You will not only lose your mind, you lose your soul. (laughs) Consider yourselves warned. (laughs) Right, and the Prince of Darkness himself, Chris Lee, is letting you know... Don't mess with the occult, boys and girls. Yeah, stay away from that Necronomicon. That is coming from Charlemagne. (laughs) Okay, so thank you, Allison, from Milwaukee Ghost. Where can people find you? Oh, um, MilwaukeeGhost.com. And you can find this particular episode at OtherSidePodcast.com slash 44. This week we decided to cover the most famous song from The Wicker Man. This is Sunspot's rendition of... Willow's Song.
for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. Ha <laughs> ha! Feet too big to dance. Yeah.